Are you all as tired as we are? <laughs> oh, this week, our teacher, Kaheleth, continues his curiosity. He speaks about things um, that are hidden and in public. Um, and I, I, I actually, I don't hate this chapter, everybody, um, or these two chapters. Um, they're really good chapters to dig into for scholars and nerds like me um, that are trying to figure out the identity of the author of the text. And I found this one more interesting than frustrating, which was a little refreshing for me. Um, and maybe refreshing for you, because now you don't have to listen to me complain for 20 minutes. Um, and why the while the chapters are a little bit long, I am actually going to ask that we read them together, because um, it's felt really fun to just like read a whole book with this family. And so we're going to read Ecclesiastes 10 and 11 today. I'm going to be reading out of the New Revised Standard Edition of the Bible, but you can read whatever you want. It just might be confusing if you have different words saying. <sighs> Chapter 10. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a foul odor, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of a fool to the left. <laughs> that, was a really, that was a really fun line after a week of so many politics. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for calmness will undo great offenses. Bless you. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as great an error as if it proceeded from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horseback and princes walking on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stone will be hurt by them, and whoever splits logs will be endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not wet the edge, then more strength must be exerted, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the snake bites before it's charmed, there's no advantage to the charmer in the charmer. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> words spoken by the wise bring them favor, but the lips of fools consume them. The words of their mouths begin in foolishness, and their talk ends in wicked madness, yet fools talk on and on. No one knows what is to happen, and who can tell anyone what the future holds? The toil of fools wears them out, for they do not even know the way to town. Alas for you, O land, when your king is a servant, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is a nobleman, and the, your princes feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunken, drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Feasts are made for laughter, wine gladdens life, and money meets every need. Do not curse the king even in your thoughts, or curse the rich even in your bedroom, for a bird of the air may carry your voice, or some ringing creature will tell the matter. Send out your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will get it back. Divide your means seven ways, or even eight. For you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. When clouds are full, they empty rain in the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Whoever observes the wind will not sow, and whoever regards the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know how the breath comes to the, comes to the bones in the mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God, who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hands be idle for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. 
even those who live many years should rejoice in them all. Yet let them remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Follow the inclination of your heart and desire of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Banish anxiety from your mind and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. This is the word of the Lord. That one wasn't so bad. So Kehelet begins chapter 10 by sharing an illustration that most of us could probably get behind. Dead flies in the perfumer's oil give off a foul odor. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So in huge vats of perfumer's oil, even something as tiny as a fly can cause destruction. A single moment can ruin an important event. A bad day can sometimes have long-lasting consequences. Similarly, a silly mistake can tarnish a reputation. Many that support the theory that Solomon is the author of our text point at these moments as evidence um, that he is kind of like secretly, secretly coming to a realization that maybe he didn't do a great job, like overall. As chapter 10 continues, Kehelet speaks about leaders, kings, and the value of wisdom for those in power, and the problem with leaders that are childish and foolish. He makes a point in this chapter to even point out that seemingly small things can cost us big. And so many think that this book is Solomon's recognition, that while he was so incredibly wise and powerful, he was maybe not great, and that his great deeds and wisdom are overshadowed by his sins. And it's not out of the... question to me. It's not also particularly compelling to me, and I don't think it really matters that much. It does make me like Solomon less, if that (laughs) is the truth, because it strikes me as cowardly and, frankly, incomplete. Rather than saying, I have finally figured out all this stuff now at the end of my life, and wow, I am sorry. Instead, Koheleth says, do not curse the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich, even in your bedroom. For a bird of the air may carry your voice, or some winging creature may tell the matter. He offers no repentance, and says, instead gives a warning, and says, well, don't talk crap about us, because we're like in our bedrooms now feeling bad about it. He says, you might have feelings about the wrongdoings of the leaders you have, but keep your mouth shut, because it could be dangerous for you. And they, like me, could have come to their senses late in life. He says, we had a lot of wine at our parties. Those are for good times, right? We can't take responsibility for all of our actions. Sorry, bro. (laughs) I actually wrote a cuss word in here, but we have Amos in the room, so I don't want to say it. (laughs) In chapter 11, we might hope that the way he starts talking means that he will begin some, um, to take some responsibility, but not totally. He kind of moves right past it to the lessons learned in life, to enjoy life but not to stay idle, to use your youth for joy and purpose, to know that time is not infinite and wasting our youth might mean that we don't have that much time later in life to do good. We've got to pay attention to our time and how to use it because youth and and the dawn of life are vanity 
or vapor or mist or whatever you want to use to describe something that disappears in a single moment. And that, I do believe, is true. I have recently thought life is going too fast for my liking, despite there being many seasons that I wished I would speed up, that would speed up for my own comfort, I have wished time would slow down. And sometimes I feel like Koheleth, I feel badly that I haven't accomplished enough, haven't produced enough, haven't done enough, and I'm running out of time. And other times I feel angry that all I do is produce sometimes, <laughs> that I don't get enough time to enjoy that um, the useful part of life. Maybe I don't get as many wine-filled parties like he did. I get plenty of those. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear Kaheleth telling me to enjoy my youth, for us to be glad that we have time in front of us to not dawdle getting things done, because getting older means that we won't be able to. And here, again, I feel like he might be a little wrong. I think our author is riddled with shame about the things that he has done and is being held hostage by the fear that he can't redeem himself, which seems to lead him to not even trying. So he laments his youth, the time he had the opportunity to do good. And while I don't want time to go so quickly, and I imagine most other people don't want it to go that quickly either, I'd encourage us to not let the fear of aging or the coming to the end of our lives, like Kohelith. Kohelith, it's a hard word to say. Um, be some sort of reason for, like, just giving up. I enjoy life, and I imagine most people, um, or a lot of people, want to enjoy life and want more time to live in those joyful moments of it. But at the same time, getting older and getting closer to some sort of twilight of our lives does good things for us. And I know it's not the case for everyone, but aging has become this curse, like I think in our culture, because it keeps us from doing the things we were once able to do. And I think things, but I also think that there are things I know and can do now that I couldn't before. And I can do them because I couldn't do those other things before, that, or that I could do before, right? Like so. I want to do something that I could do when I was a teenager, but I can't do it, so I'm creative now in a way that I wasn't before. What if we looked at our seasons of life as an opportunity to learn new ways of being, of giving, of, giving, of being wise, of an expansion, not a curse? That with each new season, we don't follow Koheleth's lead or worrying about worrying so much about the ways we've wasted our youth or lost our opportunities to contribute to our communities, but rather repent for the ways that we fell short in our last season, forgive ourselves, and step into the new season with lessons learned. When I was a coach for teachers that are in their first and second year of teaching, which is like the worst, the worst years of your life, um, <laughs> I spent so much time sitting at like 4 p.m. in classrooms while the teachers I was supporting cried <laughs> about, and, and, and my coach did the same thing for me with <laughs> my first and second year teaching. Um, and I, I told them, all you have to do is go home and forgive yourself and come back tomorrow. That's all you have to do. You just have to show up. Like, you're gonna mess up again tomorrow because 
or like next year or something, you know, because every kid is different and they need something different. Like, and that's fine, but you don't get to not come back tomorrow. Realizing that we messed up and commiserating about it doesn't absolve us from any of the harm we've caused, in the, caused or the opportunities that we've missed, nor does it actually help us in any way. And I know that's hard to recognize in the moment. When we're in the throes of grief or even anticipatory, anticipatory grief, which is what it feels like Koheleth is experiencing. I have been there before and have felt so deep in my own shame and depression that I didn't see a way out. And I would have been so mad if I were sitting, listening to the words that I'm saying right now. I remember encountering um, a book once where somebody was saying something similar and I was like, you couldn't possibly know what it is like to be in my body and brain. Genuinely believed that. And if that is you, I am, I am truly sorry for that suffering because climbing out of the, the well of that is hell. But I also have recognized recently that I feel angry and sad now that I didn't do the hard work of climbing earlier. Because staying at the bottom of the well is death. And we can climb up. We can face our own demons or sins or shame and any consequences that come with them. Koheleth could have done that. So let us not settle for suffering like he did. Let us have an imagination for what healing can look like, even when we are the reason that healing is needed, even if we are the ones that caused harm. When I come back from the dead, which is what I've kind of started calling um, waking up from a depressive episode, the energy that comes from those that love me is palpable. I can almost feel them saying, she's back. Imagine the delight that God themselves would feel in that moment. The one that loves us the most. There you are. You're back. We are worthy of the difficulty of repentance and growth and evolving lives. So was Kehelleth. And he might not have known it. Might not have thought that he could be worthy because he had done such bad things. But he was, and we are, and may we always know it. Amen.